Good morning, church. As we begin this time together, would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. As we continue our series on the Lord's Prayer, we come to this line. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, if you're like me, you may have grown up uh, saying, forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Or maybe uh, growing up, you recited it, uh, forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. But the ESV here, the translation that we most often use, says debt. And though it might feel a little strange or a little mechanical, it actually, I think, is the best translation that we have. Because it gives us the best image of what forgiveness actually means. Because forgiveness is the forgiveness of a debt. J.I. Packer says it this way. He says, We owe God total tireless loyalty, zealous love for God and man. All day, every day, on the pattern of Jesus' own. And our sin is basically a failure to pay. So the idea is that in the garden, we were created by God and for God. And that when he created us, he, he had a plan for us. And that plan was to live in harmony with him and with one another. In perfect devotion to him and obedience, faithful obedience to him. And perfect love for one another. But as we know, in the garden, sin enters through Adam and Eve, through their desire to be their own gods. And that sin remains today. On that day, humanity incurred a great debt that each of us have added to every day of our existence. And not just with the overt actions that we would think of, like lying and stealing and murder and gossip, but with our failure to do good, failure to love God and to love our neighbor fully. These are often called sins of omission, things that we avoid doing that we are called to do. And of course, many people in the world try to pay that debt back by doing good works, hoping that in the end, my good works will outweigh my bad ones. But that is like paying the minimum payment on a credit card that has been accruing interest for millennia. We just fall deeper and deeper into debt with every payment. See, to forgive a debt is to release the right of collecting on that payment. It is simply to say that debt that you rightly owe, you no longer owe it to me. I will not collect on it. It is not the credit card company offering you a deal where you can transfer your balance and get zero interest for the next year. It's not the mortgage company giving you a month grace period on your payments. It is that company calling and saying, you don't owe us anymore. Your debt has been forgiven. So when Jesus tells us to uh, pray, Father, forgive us our debts, he is saying that we are to ask God to wipe out all of our debt. 
the spiritual equivalent of calling your bank and saying, would you be so kind as to make it so that I don't have to pay the rest of my mortgage? The audacity, the nerve of doing that. But that's exactly what Jesus tells us to do. Whatever you have done, whatever sins you have committed, whatever good you have left undone, whatever dark thoughts have been in your heart against God or against man, Jesus says to ask your Father in heaven to forgive your debts. It's not pretending that there is no offense, saying, oh, don't worry about it, it's not a big deal. It's not saying there is no hurt. It's not an approval or a justification of the action as if God is saying, I understand you're only human. What else could you do? Our sin is a great offense to God. Our sin has caused great pain and destruction. There is no justification for our actions. Our debt is a real cosmic-sized debt that is deserved. And for those in Christ, God forgives it. He says, you no longer have that debt. It is gone. Forgiving a debt comes at a great cost to the one who forgives. The bank that forgives a debt takes on that debt themselves. They pay the price for it because the debt doesn't magically disappear. It is absorbed or paid one way or another. And our debt to God has been paid for at great cost by Jesus Christ on the cross. God doesn't forgive flippantly, just waving a hand and saying, ah, don't worry about it. At great cost, he pays for our transgressions. Forgiveness is costly. But this is the forgiveness that we have received. And Jesus tells us this is the forgiveness we are to offer. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Jesus says, as we also have forgiven. So we are supposed to forgive in the same way that God forgives us. This is other places in scripture. Paul mentions it in Ephesians 4 when he says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So we don't get different definitions. There's not a way in which God forgives that then we get to have some kind of different way that's just a completely different definition. But the problem is when we look at the debt that is incurred to us by by the wrongs that have been committed against us, we immediately look for ways to get around this kind of forgiveness. Sometimes we look for loopholes. We say, well, I, I get that's what we're supposed to do, but my circumstances are different. What do I what do, I do if, if that person doesn't think they've done anything wrong? How am I supposed to forgive them if they don't ask for it? How, do I, how am I supposed to forgive them if, if they don't change and they just keep doing the same thing over and over again? How am I supposed to forgive them if, if I don't believe that they're actually sorry for what they've done? And sometimes we just change the definition. We say, oh no, I'm willing to forgive. But what we actually mean are things like we are willing to overlook small offenses. So it would be like if I owe you a dollar and you say, ah, don't, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. And we call that forgiveness. Or we're willing to take a smaller payment. 
So I, I do something to offend or upset my wife, Lauren, and then I, I do something nice to make it up for her. But that's not forgiveness. Or we change the definition, definition and we say we're, we're willing to justify one another. So someone says something harsh to us and we respond with, well, I understand. I know you were tired and you were under a lot of stress when you did that. That's gracious and kind, but that's not forgiveness. See, none of those things are forgiveness. They are just different ways of collecting on a debt. It's ultimately saying, I want you to pay, either by saying you're sorry and making me believe it, or by proving to me that you have changed, or by making it up to me. And essentially, we're saying, I, I, will, forgive you, I will forgive them if they repay their debt. But forgiveness is only possible if there's a debt. If I, if I owe you $20, forgiving it means that you give up the right to that $20. If you said to me, I will, I will forgive that debt, I will forget that debt, forgive that debt of that $20 when you pay me $20. That's not forgiveness. Or if you said, I can give you another month to pay it. That's not forgiveness, that's delaying. Or if you said, I will take your Packers tickets and we'll call it even. That's not forgiveness, that's just a bad deal. I don't think they're worth that much. So it is, though, when we say, I'll forgive them when they prove that they are worthy of forgiveness. When they've proven that they've paid the debt. In that case, if that's the case, then we would have to pray, delay our debts as we delay our debtors. Or collect on our debts in the way that we collect on our debtors. But praise Jesus that this is not what he does. I mean, Imagine if God were to say something like we often do. What if, what if God were to say, I will forgive you when you have made things right? That's not the gospel. God doesn't say, when you do enough good things, I will forgive you. When you get your act together and, and build up your good works enough, I will forgive you. No. He doesn't wait for us to make things right. He makes things right on the cross on our behalf. That's what we call justification. Galatians 3 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. And so we might say, how am I supposed to just let it go like nothing happened? You aren't. You let it go into the hands of the one who makes all things right. You give up thoughts of revenge or payback and you hand those over to God who makes all things right. See, the God who has made all things right with your sin will do the same for every human being. Every debt will either be forgiven through the cross or collected in hell. But forgiveness for you means that you give up the claim on collecting that debt. So as God has forgiven you in this way, so you are to forgive others. Or imagine a different scenario. Imagine if God said, well, when you prove to me that you won't ever do this thing again, then I will forgive you. And that's not the gospel. A lot of us do that. When we commit sins against God, we'll find ourselves saying, God, I promise I will never ever do this again. Please forgive me. I will never do it again. But God doesn't wait for us to prove that we will never do it again. 
He doesn't wait for us to prove that we have changed. He forgives us and then he changes us. That's called sanctification. In 2 Corinthians 3, Paul says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. From one degree of glory to another. We've talked about how sometimes the sanctification process, the process of being made into the image of Jesus, being made holy, that that can feel like it takes forever. How long am I going to battle these same sins? How long am I going to have to deal with this issue? And the reality is that God is unendingly patient with us as this process is so slow. He forms us from one degree of glory to another. He's faithful to complete that work. It doesn't all happen in an instant. And I've had people say, well, I tried forgiving them, but they still didn't change. Let me ask you, when you were forgiven by God, did you instantly change? Did you instantly, when you were forgiven, did you instantly ditch all of that sin forever? Of course not. So why do you demand of others what God has not demanded of you? So we forgive those who haven't changed We don't look to their change as repayment, but we hope and long for their change as their sanctification and to glorify God. It gives us the ability then to rejoice with their change rather than just collecting on a debt. Or finally, I mean, imagine if God said, well, I'll forgive you, but first you have to prove to me that you really want to be in right relationship with me. And again, we sometimes act like this. We sin, we know that we've gone down the wrong path. And then in our pleading to God, we say, I'll I'll go to church every Sunday. I will give, I'll be involved in everything. And what we're really doing is saying, "I, I will prove to you how much I want to be in relationship with you. As if that then will make God forgive us. But that is not the gospel. He doesn't wait for us to earn our way back into the kingdom or prove our worthiness for the kingdom. He forgives us and then He reconciles us to himself through adoption. Colossians 1 says, For in him all the fullness, in him Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. I want you to hear this and and hear me out. He made peace before we wanted it. This is key. Reconciliation is made possible because God made peace with us on the cross before we even wanted it. So often we say, well, when they ask for forgiveness, then I will forgive. But that's not how God forgives. Our repentance is how we receive the forgiveness and the benefits of that forgiveness. But that forgiveness has already been secured for us on the cross. We don't repent. We don't go and ask God for forgiveness and have him say, well, hmm, let me think about it. Let me look at everything and and let me, I'll get back to you on that. No. When we repent, we find that God says, I've already forgiven you. It's already been done. And that is how we are to forgive one another. 
Maybe right now you have somebody in your life who has wronged you and hurt you and they don't realize it. Or maybe they know you feel that way but they don't admit that what they did was wrong. And so you feel stuck. But I want to tell you that you can forgive them in your heart. You don't need them to ask you for forgiveness for you to forgive them. And the joy of that is so that when that day comes, if and when that day comes that they come to you and say, I am sorry, please forgive me, you will be able to say, I already did. I was given the incredible gift of having a last conversation with my mom that I was pretty aware was going to be my last conversation. And in it, I got to say all kinds of things to her that I wanted to say. But one thing in particular I wanted to say to her was I wanted to tell her I was sorry. I wanted to ask her forgiveness. This may shock you, but I wasn't always the easiest kid to raise. And I wasn't always the easiest adult son. And so I said, Mom, please forgive me for the ways I have hurt you over the years. And her immediate response was, you know that I do. And she spoke it in a way that said, I forgave you long ago, and I forgave you every time, whether you asked for it or not. No hesitation, because it had already been done. That is an incredible thing. And that is how our Father forgives us. And we are to forgive others in that same way. And after all, this is the point of all of this. Forgiveness is reconciliation. It is God restoring what was broken, restoring our broken relationship with him through the forgiveness of our sins. And so that is to be our aim with forgiveness, is reconciliation and restoration. In Matthew 18, Jesus says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. What's the goal of confronting that sin? Not not to make them feel guilty, not to get an I'm sorry, not to show that you were right, not to win an argument. The goal of confronting the sin is that you would gain your brother back, that you would be reconciled. Or in Galatians 6, Paul says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. We are to restore him in a spirit of gentleness. That's the goal. That's the ministry of reconciliation that God has given to you. He doesn't just forgive you and say, Well, I've wiped out your debt, now leave me alone. He says, I have wiped out your debt and I have paid it and made it right. I have justified you. And not only that, but I am making you new, transforming you into the image and who you were actually created to be. And not only that, I welcome you back into my kingdom, not just as citizens who have been forgiven and who have been justified and who are being sanctified, but I am welcoming you back as sons and daughters and heirs. It is the ministry of reconciliation that God has given to you, and that's what he wants you to offer to others. Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 5. 
See if you can see these themes as you look through it. You might want to even turn your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled, himself, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Look at all the things that are covered in that passage. He doesn't count our trespasses against us. That is forgiveness of our debt. He became sin that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is justification. He makes us new. We are a new creation. The old is past and the new has come. That is sanctification. And he reconciles us to himself. And he says that this ministry of reconciliation he has given to you. He has given to you then and entrusted to you to offer to others. This is why forgiveness is so important. It is a live playing out of how God reconciles us to himself. You get to participate in the declaration and demonstration of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ in a very tangible way. You get to say to someone, I forgive you as my Father in heaven has forgiven me. And that forgiveness from him is more important and it's available to you. What a great thing to be able to say to somebody, to show them you are carrying out the ministry of reconciliation to a lost and hurting world. And so reconciliation is the aim of forgiveness, but it's not the same thing. And it is important that I just take a moment to address that. Because let's be real. Forgiveness is one thing, but but reconciliation, that can seem much harder. Because you you cannot force reconciliation. Reconciliation is not the same thing as forgiveness. You, You could forgive someone and never be reconciled to them for one reason or another. Because, partly because reconciliation is a two-way street. So you could forgive somebody who never asks for forgiveness, who never wants to be in relationship with you again, never wants to repair what was broken. So on this side of eternity, there is no reconciliation, even though you've, you've offered forgiveness. Sometimes reconciliation happens, and it's quick because the, the debt is small. But other times it is long and painful and sometimes it never actually happens. I've heard it said before that we should, that forgiveness should be quick, but restoration slow. And, and they don't mean by that that, okay, well, I'll forgive you, but now I'm going to make you pay to be reconciled or restored. It doesn't mean that. But the reality is forgiveness is to be given unconditionally because that's how our Father has forgiven us. But reconciliation here on earth can take time. 
It takes time to build up trust again. It takes wisdom to know sometimes there are sins that have been committed on earth that the scars of which will remain as long as we are on this side of eternity. Like a broken vase that is put together and glued back together and it's never quite what it was before. There is a day, there is a day coming where it will be fully and beautifully restored. But it's possible that that won't happen here. There are times where reconciliation is hard and slow and maybe even unlikely or impossible on this side of eternity. And in those times, I would encourage you to seek counsel from other godly people that you trust, that you're in community with. And we can walk you through that to exercise wisdom and grace in that. But make no mistake, that is the desire of forgiveness. That we are to want to reconcile as far as it depends upon us. And Romans 12 says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Our lives here day to day are not always a storybook ending. And so you may not be in control of the reconciliation of that relationship or the restoration, but you can forgive. And forgiveness that is like God's is handing over the debt to God and trusting him to make all things right. It is the desire to see miraculous reconciliation and restoration. Maybe God will bring reconciliation this side of eternity, and maybe he won't, but you don't have to worry about that. The question is, are you willing to give up your claim on that debt? To hand it over to God? To let him handle it as he has handled your debt? It is costly but it is worth it. I mean, it's worth it for one reason, because it sets you free from being a debt collector. I often thought I can't imagine a more stressful job than to be a debt collector. It consumes so much time and energy. But you can be free from that, knowing that your father will make all things right. You aren't the judge. You don't have to be the judge. You don't have to collect the debt. Your father will do all of that. But even more than that, when you forgive, not only are you being set free from being a debt collector, and not only are you able to demonstrate the glorious good news of Jesus Christ to the person uh, who has wronged you, telling them about the Father who has forgiven you, you also become united with Christ in a powerful way. Because we are arguably never more like Jesus than when we truly forgive as he has forgiven us. And the more costly that forgiveness, the deeper that connection. 1 Peter 4, 13 says, But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. When you offer costly forgiveness, you are sharing in the sufferings of Christ Jesus. And through that, you gain an intimacy with Jesus that is unlike any other. Talk to people you know who have forgiven big debts. The people I've known who have forgiven painful, costly debts have experienced an intimacy and connection with Jesus that they did not know before and that they would not trade. Forgiveness is so essential 
to this story of reconciliation. It is so essential in us understanding and living the life of Christ and having the mind of Christ and understanding this gift that he has given to us. It is so crucial that the very first thing Jesus says after the Lord's Prayer is this. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This verse has often been pulled out and causes great confusion. But in light of all that we have said, it's actually quite simple. Understanding what we have said about what God has done for us and how he forgives us and how he calls us to forgive others. How can you receive God's unmerited forgiveness and then demand payment for the wrongs against you? How can you accept God's adoption as a son or a daughter and then harden your heart towards your brothers and sisters? How can you look at your own slow path of sanctification and change and demand instant change from others? The only way to do that is to not have experienced God's forgiveness in the first place. To not have truly repented and experienced the mercy of God. But when you see the depth of your sin, and you see the depth of God's grace and mercy in forgiveness, then you will offer that grace to one another. This isn't about earning forgiveness, but about demonstrating true repentance. Again, J.I. Packer says, one whose only hope is that God will not hold his faults against him forfeits his right to hold others' faults against them. So church, if you have been adopted by God through the forgiveness of your sins, then forgive others and bring peace to his family. If you have been justified by Christ, then let go of the debts against you and trust him to make all things right. If you have experienced the patience of God as you are in the process of sanctification, little by little becoming more like Jesus, then be patient with others. He has reconciled you to himself through the forgiveness of your debt. And he has entrusted to you that same ministry. So my challenge to you today as we close in prayer is to consider, is there someone that you need to forgive? Maybe it's someone who has asked you for forgiveness, who has told you that they're sorry, but you have held that debt over them. You have held on to it, not wanting to let go of it. Maybe this is the day that you reach out to them and you say, I'm, I forgive you. Or maybe it's someone that has hurt you and they haven't asked for forgiveness and they have no interest in your forgiveness and that has been holding you back, feeling like you, you are stuck. Maybe today's the day that in your heart you forgive them and let go of that debt and turn that over to God. Or maybe you need to go and ask for forgiveness. 
Or maybe today's the day that you confront someone who has hurt you and you want to reconcile, you want to restore that relationship. And so you need to tell them that this hurt and give them the opportunity to bring reconciliation, to gain your brother or sister back. But whatever that is, first go to God. Repent. Receive his unmerited mercy and favor and forgiveness and rejoice in that and bask in his goodness and the freedom that that gives you. And then as he has forgiven your debts, go and forgive others. Let's pray. Father, it is an amazing thing that you forgive our debts. Our debts are colossal. We could never pay them back. If we had all eternity, we would never pay them back. But you have wiped our slate clean. And not only that, but then you have made it right by paying the price yourself. At great cost, you made peace with us through the blood of the cross. And God, you have promised then to make us new to change us little by little here and eventually knowing one day we would be completely transformed and that you welcome us back into your kingdom, not just as servants or as citizens, but as sons and daughters and heirs. This is glorious and it is all because you have forgiven us. So Father, forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Amen.